welcome back to You Ask For It, a podcast where we answer your questions about life and faith, Christianity and, and culture. And this is something where Pastor Steve and I just try to walk through and give you um, biblical answers to the questions that you have. And the question that was turned into us today is this. What do you do when witchcraft is uncovered, uncovered in your home? Tarot cards, spells. The child says they are saved, but, but they want to do magic as well. Now, actually, there, were, actually yeah. there were three, three, three different ones. Three different questions. That was just one of three. And the second one is this. What should Christians do with astrology and the occult? Um, so, for instance, this is why we're going to answer this one today is because this is something that's very common in our neck of the woods in the Western North Carolina. We're about 20 minutes south of Asheville. Um, and what we have there is this large population of, of Wiccans. Now, Wiccans are witches. People claim to be witches and, and warlocks, and they live in what's called a coven. Now, Asheville has a website for a coven in... Coven. Yeah. A coven, I'm sorry. Coven in Western North Carolina in their city. Um, there's estimates that there are over 1,500 Wiccans in Asheville, members of the Wiccan um, group in Asheville. And both Asheville and Hendersonville have stores to buy occult materials, one here on Main Street, uh, about two blocks from where we currently are. And they also offer services like tarot card reading, palm reading. Uh, they, they'll do healing ceremonies, yes. which are all occultic. Yeah, there's one person in Nashville who advertises that she is a shaman who has the spiritual power to heal. And so this question is very pertinent to where we are. And then finally, the question came in of, do demon possessions still occur? Now, we think all these can be kind of fit into one podcast, so that's what our goal is today. So let me begin by helping you see the growth of Wicca in the United States. In 1990, there were, as far as we can tell, 8,000 Wiccans in the U.S. By 2008, there were 340,000. And by 2020, 2 million Americans in this year identified as witches or, or to be Wiccan. Now, think about this in context. That means that there are more witches than Presbyterian member, members of the Presbyterian Church of the United States of America Currently, currently there are 1.1 million in the Presbyterian Church of the United States, and there's 2 million that identify as witches or Wiccan. That's a, that's a pretty large number. So more witches than Presbyterians. Absolutely, absolutely. Very different opposite ends of the spectrum uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to things. Now, what are the beliefs of Wiccans? You, you've heard this, and maybe you've watched a movie with witches, and, but what are the beliefs that they would hold to? See, Wiccans worship the great mother goddess and her partner, the horn god, or Pan is his name. Um, the major pagan temple in Caesarea Philippi, maybe you've been to Israel before, is dedicated to Pan. It's right over the huge cavern. You know, he's half man, half goat is what you see everywhere there. Um, and they regard this, that all aspects of nature have spirit, have a spirit in them. And there's three major beliefs of, of Wiccans. That is animism, pantheism, and polytheism. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through each one of those beliefs and help you understand them. First of all, animism is the belief that everything, even inanimate objects, have a soul or a spirit. See, Wiccans believe that not only plants or humans have a soul or spirit, but also the wind, the rain, or even rocks. 
when they when they sing Julie Andrews' song, "The Hills Are Alive," they believe it. Like they, they believe every word of it. Yeah. Uh, we have some friends here who own um, a gym mine, and, and they're great people. And they talk about sometimes they get some interesting people who come into the gym mine. Um, one of the guys, my former students, talked about a time that uh, a lady came in and she took off her necklace and she was holding holding it over a rock. That was a pretty expensive gym, and it was going back and forth. And she said, "There is great energy in this rock." To which he responded. Well, wait till you see the energy in this rock over here. And he grabbed the most ex- expensive gym that he had and he brought it to her and it just happened to turn that direction. She goes, there's great energy in this one as well. And he said, I'll, I will sell you these both right now at a discount. And he walked away with the biggest sell that they'd ever had yeah. uh, that day. Yeah. But, but if you think about that, there's, there's life and force and everything. Doesn't that kind of remind you of Star Wars worldview? Yeah, yeah. The force is everywhere. Can I... Feel the force, Luke. Yes, and and the Jedi's goal was to harness the force and to use it, right, inside of themselves because it was present all over. And so you see this first belief of animism. The spirit is is everywhere and in everything. Second of all is pantheism. This is the belief that everything is divine. The term is derived from two Greek words, pan, which means all, and then theos, which means God or deity. So pantheism understands that deity... Is, is one with nature. It's all the same thing. In fact, let me just read some scripture on that. You know, we talked, a, I talked a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning about Romans 1 and the progression down. And it says that the first step down for a culture is to suppress the truth about God mm-hmm. in unrighteousness. But it says the truth is right there because of creation. Creation points to a creator. But the second step down is to worship the creator mm-hmm. Rather than worship the God, the creator, worship the creation rather than worship the creator. And if you look at what we're doing in our culture, we've gotten rid of God, but you've got to worship something. So be good to your mother. You know, uh, take care of the planet. You know, in our culture now, you can sleep with who you want to sleep, smoke what you want to smoke. But if you recycle, you're a good person because you're helping the planet. And so it's almost like the, the worship of creation has, is a part of this whole worldview. Um, I think this is very applicable. Absolutely. And then finally, the third belief that they would hold to is polytheism. And this is belief that there is more than one God. And Wiccans, they would give polytheism a very postmodern interpretation with relativistic impl- implications. The polytheistic premise is expressed in beliefs such as there is no one right way or religion that is for all, or there is no one truth. So for instance, you've heard it said, God is a mountain and everybody's just trying to get up the same mountain. Or maybe you've seen, you see it especially here where we are, the coexist sticker, which is on the back of of people's cars. If you look closely at the coexist sticker, it is each letter represents a different religion um, to hold on to. And it's this belief that all of us are trying to get to the same place. And that's where this Paul, this polytheism come, comes in for them as well. So then the question is, what does the Bible say about occult activities? Let's start with Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. It says, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. No one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire, practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, 
cast spells, consult a medium or a spiritist or inquire of the dead. Everyone who does these acts is detestable to the Lord and the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable acts. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Though these nations you are about to drive out listen to fortune tellers and diviners, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. Now this was given to Israel as they were about to conquer the promised land. And, and, the, and they were full of occult practices, yes. those Canaanites. Mm, absolutely. You know, the story I, that I looked at a few weeks ago in Acts, Acts 16, there was a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit that allowed her to foretell the future. And I talked about that some in that sermon. But I think this is, this is the key to why God says don't get involved in occult practices. Because if you get in there because of a desire for power or a desire to know something that you don't know, hmm. if you go through these doors, that can open you up to actually being possessed by a, a demon. Hmm. In fact, in Acts 19, evidently Ephesus had a lot of occult practice. There were a couple of Jewish exorcists that were deciding they would try this new thing. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out. And the demon-possessed person beat them all seven up. (laughs) And so later on, as the gospel went in, in verse 18 of chapter 19, it says, Many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord spread. So when the gospel took hold in a place full of occult activity, they came to Jesus, but they burnt their occult material. Hmm. The question that was the first one that was asked, I found tarot cards and spells in my child's possession. And she said, well, I'm a Christian, but I want to practice magic too. The Bible says, no, there's got to be a clean break with that. Mm. Now, talking about that girl, desire to know more, I had an encounter with it. I've had several encounters with demon-possessed persons, but I had an encounter in the 80s with a strange young man, and um, he showed up at my house one night, walked into our uh, living room about 11 o'clock at night. Karen and I were watching the evening news, and his eyes were glazed. He said, I have a message I must deliver to you. And I said, let's go outside because my wife and children were there. I didn't. So we went outside. And he said, I've got to take you out under the stars. My message is from the stars. And I said, well, I don't receive any message from the stars. When God speaks to me, he speaks to me through the Bible. He went, I hate that book. I hate that book. Mm-hmm. I said, in the name of Jesus. He said, I hate that name. I hate that name. Wow. And so finally I was able to get him away. The next Sunday he was in church. And what was irony? I had a couple that I had gone to college with from 72 to 74. They went to Lyon, France, which at that time in the 70s was the, uh, the, the, uh, the headquarters for occult activity in France. Uh, there are more witches in France at that time than there were Protestants. Wow. And so everybody they were leading to Christ, they were bringing out of occult activity. So that, those friends happened to be there that Sunday. I hadn't seen them since college. I haven't seen them since. They came by and just sat in church that day, and we, we said hello to each other. This man came forward, knelt at the altar, and so I came next to him at the, after the invitation. I said, can I help you? He said, I'm into magic, and I have power. And so I called for my missionary friends, and I called for a deacon, because if anything strange is going to happen, I want a deacon there. And so, so I turned the rest of the service over to my associate. We went into a room, and I, I, the way that my friend dealt with him was incredible. 
He said, now, you came down and you knelt at an altar. Are you telling me that, that you want to be free? He says, well, he says, I have power, and I don't want to lose the power. And my friend looked at him and said, you need to know this, that that power may be real. It's evil. It's from Satan. But one day, Satan will use you up and throw you away like a dirty rag. That mm. power is going to turn wow. on you. You need to come and trust Jesus as, as your Savior. Then we need to go to your house and find all of your occult things, and then we need to burn them. He says, no, 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 I, I can't do that. I, I want the power too much. So yeah. I think that's the, the, the what's behind there. Well, he came back Wednesday night. And before service, he came into my office and he said, I've got a message I must deliver to the church. And I said, well, God made me pastor and you're going to deliver no message. And then I did something I've never done before. And because of this, I've never done since. <laughs> I looked at him and said, in the name of Jesus, what is your name? And he gave me his legal name. Then his voice changed, and he said, Beelzebub. And so he said, will you at least have prayer for me? So I brought him in. I called every deacon down. (laughs) We surrounded him. We laid hands on him. And then I prayed for him, but then I changed it. I said, in the name of Jesus, Beelzebub, I stand against you. He took off. He started frothing at the mouth. He went in my office, frothed all over my stuff. Uh, Several of the men came down there. He was about 150 pounds, but he was throwing big men around. It was incredible strength. The police came, arrested him. As he left, he looked at myself, my wife, and he cast a death curse on us. And then he cast a curse on our house that it would burn down. And uh, then we left church. <laughs> and uh, and I'll talk about what we did later. Yeah, well, you're alive, so that's good. But a couple quick scriptures that kind of follow up from there to lead in our next area. Galatians five nineteen. It says, "Now the works of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery." That's what it says. And then Revelation nine twenty. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk. And they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. And so it's very clear in the Bible that they that they take this seriously. And, and here's what's interesting when you understand the word sorcery and the way it's used in the Greek. It's the Greek word pharmakia. Now, sounds like a word that we use often, doesn't it? Yes. In sorcery, the the use of drugs during this time, whether simple or potent, was generally accompanied by incantations and appeals to occult powers. With the provision of various charms, amulets, you know, et cetera, um, professedly designed to keep the applicant or patient from the attention and power of demons, but actually to impress the applicant with the mysterious resources and powers of the sorcerer. And so think about today where so much of drugs offers an escape and in a way to clear the mind, to access something greater. We, we ask this question, does demon possession, possession happen today? Well, if the word for sorcery is the word pharmakia, where we get the word drugs, it could be easy to see even where and that can I have, happen. I have dealt with people who were high that I sense that demonic presence. Not everybody that high is high is that way. Hmm. But, but I have seen that. I, I remember... Yeah. Uh, I had a member bring a young girl in her 20s to Karen and I to our where we lived. And, and this little girl, she was it was through drugs that she came to that point where she she looked at it and said, I'm possessed. Mm. And she looked at it and she acted it. And uh, 
this godly woman who brought him said, I just came here because I want you to pray, but I'm taking her home, Pastor. And so she had her that week. When she brought her to church the next Sunday, it was like the demon-possessed man in Mark 5, Mm. clothed in his right mind. She was absolutely free. Mm. But her door opener had been drugs that had brought her to that point of of, uh, demonic power. Mm. Well, let's close by giving some lessons on how do you deal with, with demonic power? How do you deal with occult power? And I've got several things I want to bring across to you. First of all, don't be afraid. First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. I mentioned to you about the death curses that this man had placed upon my wife and myself and the curse upon our house that would burn down. We, we went home that evening and we thought, what should we do? Should we stay up, pray and fast? And God brought that verse to my mind. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And I said, no, wait a minute. The champion lives in my heart. Mm. Uh, he, I've got the king inside of me. And so I said, Karen, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to bed and snore. <laughs> so don't be afraid. Because here's one of the things that happens. Uh, I may offend somebody with this. But do you remember years ago in the 90s, there was a guy named Frank Peretti that had a bunch of novels, uh, Piercing the Darkness, things like that. And what he would do, he talked about a small town, and he would show how there was a battle going on spiritually, but behind the scenes, there were demons everywhere. And it became, I saw a lot of folks here that were reading Frank Peretti books, and I could always tell if somebody, one of my members was reading Frank Peretti because they were going around looking like this. <laughs> They were looking everywhere they could, you know, to see, is there one there? Is there one there? I don't believe that we should be obsessed with the demonic. We should be obsessed with Jesus. Amen. My uh, dad, I, I listened to a, a Baptist evangelist named Sam Cathy do a three-day session on spiritual warfare, and he dealt with demonic people constantly. And so it was just basically one scary story after another of his dealings. And so I bought the the cassette series, and I sent it to my dad and said, Dad, listen to this. And my dad gave me an insight. He said, Son, I listened to it, but I found as I was listening to it, I became deathly afraid. And I realized God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Something is imbalanced about that, son, if you're living in fear. So don't be afraid. Number two, this is the main verse that deals with spiritual warfare, the one that I turn to most in James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So there's almost like a, a, a formula laid out. The first thing you do is submit to God. Trust in Christ. You don't have to drive darkness out of a room. You turn the light on. Mm, so ask Jesus to come in. Let him, let him take the, bring the light. Extraordinarily, I made a home visit with one of our members who's homebound this afternoon. They were telling me about a healthcare worker who came by and shared their testimony this week. He has to have daily health care. That healthcare worker actually attends Jose's church here at our church. She escaped from Cuba. She said growing up in Cuba, which is a communist land, they were not allowed to be openly worshiping God. But there were a lot of folks, Sergio, that were into the occult. And she was one of those that was into the occult. She made her way here. They put her into a detention center to transition her in to become a part of America. And she had some of her objects with her. Said one of the ladies at the detention center gave her a Bible. And she said, I had tasted evil power many times. But as I started reading the Bible, 
I felt that strong, warm, loving power of God. Mm. And she said, I accepted Jesus and I threw away everything in my purse. Wow. So you submit to him. Then you resist the devil. I believe that it's wise to even resist him out loud. I, when, I, when I know, when I'm sensing that somebody I love is in spiritual d- d- danger, I will go and say, Satan, you can't have them. In the name of Jesus, I stand against you, Satan. And you resist them, even out loud. Then he says, draw near to God. Get as close as you can to God. Purify your heart. The word purify means make sure it's 100% God. Nothing, there's nothing left out. Uh, Ephesians 4.27 tells Christians... Neither give place to the devil. That's King James. The Greek word is topos, topography. Don't let the devil have a foothold in your life. Mm. Well, Justin, bring us home with this now. I think that's good. Man, there's so much to think about with this. And and that is just this major thing for us to understand. First of all, as Christians, Satan cannot win ultimately in our life, right? And so... Why should we be scared of ghosts or you know this whole thing that so much of our world lives in fear of, right? Yeah. When we know that Christ is one and they can no longer take charge in our life. That's and right. so there should be a, you know, this whole, yeah, greater is he than in me than in the world. We should live in that way. And first John 5, the evil one cannot touch him. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so I think that's something for us Christians to hold on to. But then I also want to say if you're listening to this podcast today and maybe you've been dabbling in the occult and and you're dealing with that and maybe you're afraid of what it is that you're experiencing the good news of the gospel is that all you have to do is reach out and he's there you call out to god and say god like this is not okay what's going on in me but I know there's life possible in you. And he can save you. And in that, he can release you from what it is that you're dealing with. And so I pray that's something that you would do today. Um, reach out to us if you're if you're wondering about that. We'd love to help you through that process as well. Thanks for joining us today on You Asked For It. And hope you'll stick with us. We'll be with you again in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Thanks. Thanks.